Hello and welcome to the Max Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Tom Gilmore, Head of Content for the Mary Evans Picture Library. Would you like to introduce yourself, Tom, and tell us about how you came to be where you are today? Thank you, Faith. Yes, um, I'd, I'd love to do that. And thank you for the opportunity to tell you a little bit about where I work and what we do. It's certainly a kind of different sort of place and a different sort of business and, and something that I feel that people always find is a little bit surprising. So I shall, I shall try and kind of tell you as much, of, much as I can about what we do um, and, and what I do at the picture library. Um, so I think it would probably be best initially to give you a little bit of background about how the business began, how the company started, um, and also who Mary Evans was, because people often ask us, is there or was there actually a Mary Evans? Where did the name come from? Um, and there was definitely a Mary Evans, um, and, but the story of the library is really the story of um, a husband and wife team, and that was Mary and her husband, Hilary Evans. Um, who in up to kind of the toward the throughout the 1950s really um, were gathering together um, an amazing collection of illustrated books and prints and ephemera items just as a personal private collection they were fascinated by imagery and artwork um, they both had their own specialized interests themselves um, Mary's great passion was dogs so absolutely anything to do with dogs. And she had her own huge kind of personal private um, library based around imagery of dogs, postcards, prints, books as well. Um, and Hillary's great interests um, were in much more kind of fringe subjects. So things like UFOs and science fiction and um, kind of folklore and the paranormal. And he also developed an amazing personal private library of books on those subjects. So they had their own kind of specialist areas, but they were also great um, passionate advocates for um, the great book illustrators and, and illustration of the kind of late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, and really, this was very much um, a, a passion of theirs, but not something that had ever evolved beyond a personal private collection. Their small house at the time in uh, Shooter's Hill and uh, just outside Blackheath. Um, was by all accounts kind of filled with all of these items. Um, and Hillary at the time was working as a copywriter um, for a London advertising agency. So he had lots of contacts within the media world in London. Um, and their, their collecting continued. Um, but also the kind of knowledge of this collection that Mary and Hillary had put together grew and grew. Um, and they started to lend out books, lend out pictures, um, and Mary, who was, had a very kind of savvy business brain, um, realized that they could start to actually generate this interest in their collection into a, a proper um, business, licensing um, the use of the images for which they held the ownership um, and, and the copyright of, of the versions of these pictures which they held. Um, and so the Mary Evans Picture Library was founded in 1964. Um, it took Mary's name because at the time, Hillary was still very keen to kind of carry on his writing career. Um, and he continued to be an author and write books throughout his entire life. Um, and Mary was really always the driving force on the business side of the company. And Hillary um, really, I think that was of less interest to him, but he was very, very passionate about the pictures and the imagery and the collecting 
and the acquisitions. So he remains the principal acquirer of all the um, historical items and books over the years. Again, right up until, until his death, he was still um, developing and collecting for the library. And so the library was founded um, and started out really from a cupboard, I think, in their small house in 1964. Um, and then they moved to a much larger property um, on Granville Park in Blackheath. So they've always, always been based in the local southeast London area and the library's always had a base in the Blackheath area. Um, and once again, they, they kind of developed the system of the library, um, the filing system for all the images, and it took over the whole of one floor and then it took over the whole of the basement and they needed to move premises again. Um, and so at that stage, they moved the library to a new site um, at Number One Tranquil Vale, which was the old uh, literary institution building, which Mary and Hillary helped to restore. A lovely building, which is still there, just, just uh, alongside Blackheath Railway Station. Um, and then they had the whole of the upper level of that building, which became the picture library. And the staff numbers increased um, and the number of uh, animals that used to pop in day to day increased. There was always at least one, one or two dogs in the office, unsurprisingly, as it was kind of Mary's passion. Um, and then toward the end of the 1980s, once again, the collection had outgrown its home um, and the opportunity came to um, move the collection once more because uh, the All Saints Parish Hall, which is a lovely arts and crafts 1920s parish hall building right on the edge of Blackheath. Um, became available. It had been used by the, the All Saints Parish Church for exhibitions and meetings and dance classes uh, for years and years. In fact, Mary and Hillary's uh, daughter Valentine had had dance lessons there, which is always a very nice link. Um, and that's a, a two-level space. It's a lovely old um, historic building. Um, and the church council, um, in their wisdom, uh, agreed for Mary and Hillary to move the picture library to that building and everything was moved in there um, in 1989. I think they had a choice at the meeting between moving in uh, uh, a quiet studious group of historical picture researchers or turning it into a health club and mm -hmm. so I think I think I think the vote was something like 14 to 1 or 15 to 0. <laughs> so that's where the library has been based ever since 1989 and we continue to house our, our huge collection of images there at 59 Tranquil Vale, All Saints Parish Hall, um, right in the centre of Blackheath. And quite often people wander past or sometimes even knock on the door and say, well, what do you do? This looks very interesting. <laughs> and we found when we, we, we did the Open House London event on two occasions, we, we've only done it twice because it took a lot of effort to sort out the place to make it work. But the local community really were fascinated by the collection and what we did and I think it gave people an opportunity to actually kind of come behind the doors of this strange mysterious building and company which they'd only really either seen as they walked past or seen in in, in the credits on, on TV or in magazines or in newspapers. Um, so that's a little kind of very brief potted history about how the library developed. It's born out of this personal collection of a, a very, very wide range of illustrative pictorial items gathered together um, by this husband and wife team of Mary and Hilary Evans. Um, and really the, the kind of core archival collection that that is uh, continues um, as, as the main heartbeat of the company. And we've still, we're still cataloguing 
and digitizing stuff that, that, that they bought probably back in the 1960s and 1970s is a vast wealth of millions of images within that collection that are still being um, being organized, being catalogued and being scanned. Um, but it was the development really from a kind of hobby to a business um, at, at really just the right moment, just when specialist picture agencies were in their infancy. There were a few larger kind of news agencies and press agencies, and obviously people could access pictures via museum collections. Um, but there, there, there'd never really been a, a place where people could come looking solely for images related to history, to, to license pictures for use in, in kind of commercial projects. And so the company um, filled a very nice kind of niche void at that stage um, of its development. Um, so I think it might be, it might be worth, if, if okay, for me to tell you a little bit more about aspects of the core archival collection. Yeah, that'd be that'd great. Be interested in the, in the type of content that we have. Um, we have a, a, a huge range of illustrated magazines and periodicals, um, probably the largest um, of which is the archive of the Illustrated London News um, Picture Library Group. And so that's a, a, a body of eight different magazine titles, the main one being the Illustrated London News, which was published between 1842 right up to the 1990s. And that was the first real large format illustrated paper covering all aspects of world events from the kind of early Victorian period all the way then through the 20th century. And that's an amazing resource for imagery covering events, portraiture, discoveries, innovations, pretty much anything you can think of with a bit of a global flavor. Um, but we have a number of large runs of illustrated magazines and not just ones from the UK. We've got a lot of French periodicals. Mary and Hillary had two properties in France and did a lot of buying at paper fairs and along the banks of the Seine in Paris. Mm. They used to go there and pick up prints and, and more book collections. Um, and also magazines from America, from the rest of Europe, um, and not just events and kind of more standard illustrated periodicals. They're interested in humorous magazines, fashion magazines, publications about the theater, about transport, about science. So a large portion of the archive is illustrated journals, periodicals, and magazines. Um, we also have a vast number of illustrated books. So uh, books on particular topics, lots of books on kind of topographic subjects, so places, pictures of places throughout history around the world, um, a very, very large collection of Victorian children's books, which are a wonderful resource, not only for the illustrations of those specific stories, but also sometimes children's book illustrations um, are incredibly colorful, incredibly graphic, um, and are very useful today for, for reuse um, for all sorts of projects. Um, and we also have a, a huge collection, um, which was one of the real sorts of passions from collecting terms for Hillary, um, which is what might be termed ephemera. So these are items which at the time of production didn't really have any kind of intrinsic artistic value. But nowadays, looking at them, they're, they're very interesting and sometimes have imagery which can convey a, a whole gamut of different subjects. Um, and situations. So things that would come under that bracket, I suppose, would be Victorian scraps, which were sold for people to stick into scrapbooks in the late 19th century, 
postcards, cigarette cards, labels, beer mats, trade cards, uh, little collector's cards, um, stereoscopic cards, two photographs that used to view through a viewer to form a kind of 3D image. Um, and it was these sorts of collections which were you know, not, not too fashionable to collect um, back in the day. Uh, nowadays, you, you know, lots of people are very interested in this type of material, but, but back when Hillary and Mary were collecting in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you could pick up quite a lot of these things quite cheaply, and um, it, would, it would just be um, a, an area um, that they would um, be able to, to kind of exploit, and they saw would be a, of interest um, to, to, to kind of picture buyers, the imagery on, on these types of items. Um, we do have photography as well, so photographic collections. Um, but, it, but photography obviously is, is, is very important in image terms for 20th century history. But the kind of core archive really only went up to around about the 1920s, 1930s. So again, photographic collections came on a bit later. And I'll, I'll come on to that when I talk more about some of the collections we represent at the library rather than what we wholly own. Um, and all of these amazing collections and loose prints, um, if, if they weren't bound into books or journals and magazines, every single picture was pasted onto a kind of A4 blue card with a reference line saying what the picture was, who did it, and it was categorised into one of 12 major event areas. Now, the reason for this categorization of the pictures was so that the library and the archive could be a working resource for picture researchers, both who worked at the library, um, but also um, researchers who were coming in to use the collection. Um, so we're, we're left with the, this, this incredible collection that's still organized in exactly the same way in the archive, where if you want to find, say, a specific portrait of a ruler of Ethiopia from the 1860s. You could go to the Ethiopian royalty drawer and flick through and everything would be nicely organized in chronological order. All the topographical places are A to Z by country, all the events are chronologically organized in the, on these blue cards. And so the library in all areas, both in the books, in the loose prints, in the larger items, in the plans chests, in the magazines um, and in the ephemera items are all organized into these 12 subject categories. So it makes it a very kind of usable and organized resource, even though the types of original items are very, very different. Um, and really, um, as, as I mentioned, Hillary and Mary continued right up to the ends of their lives. Sadly, both have died now a few years back. Um, but they were, they were collecting and, and going on trips to France and coming back and displaying all these wonderful things they'd purchased on some of their kind of acquisition trips uh, to the staff, um, really right up to the end. Um, but as you can imagine, today, purchasing, going out and buying large collections of archival and antique images and prints and books is an extremely expensive business, mm -hmm. taking a lot of kind of capital outlay to do that. So we had to really think, probably around 15 years ago, how do we develop the content of the library? How do we add more pictures for our clients to use um, without actually going out and buying them ourselves? And so the solution, therefore, was to start to represent externally owned contributor collections. So those are archives and individuals' collections and museum collections and the work of specific artists and estates who may still have been in copyright, 
um, but we can arrange things with, with families, etc. Um, and take in those collections already scanned in high resolution um, and provided with some sort of caption data, and we make those available um, on an agency basis. So we're moving from kind of a, uh, a collection and a library which is based solely on our collections to one which is representing other collections and making those other collections available. Um, and this, this kind of segues neatly onto what my role <laughs> is at the library. Um, my job title is, is the head of content. Um, so it's my job to administer the relationships with all of these contributors. Um, and so I set up arrangements um, to represent these, these collections. I sometimes um, go out and try and source a collection. If we see, see a collection that looks of interest, I'll approach them, tell them about the library, tell them a bit about what we do, um, and say that we can offer this service on their behalf. Um, and sometimes people approach us and say, I've got an amazing collection of um, motoring advertisements from the 1960s. Would you be interested in, in representing these as part of the Mary Evans collection? And then uh, we, will, we will, on occasion, and kind of take them on. Um, and our contributors now form the lion's share of the images that we, we have available for sale um, through the website. We've got over two million, getting on now for two and a half million pictures available for sale through the Mary Evans Picture Library site. Probably only about 300,000 of those are wholly owned items that we, we have digitized from, from things in the collection. All of the others come from collections, externally owned collections we're representing um, at the library. Um, so it's very, very important, um, all of these extra collections. What it's allowed us to do is we haven't duplicated anything that we may have acquired over the years for the library, but we've actually added different types of material. So different periods have been covered. We've added a lot more photographic collections to give us much more coverage of 20th century world history. We've added fine arts collections. Um, we've added some multiple um, collections from artists' estates and photographers' estates, including street photography, portraiture, um, huge, huge collections. And, and, and some, some very kind of special and some incredibly specialized collections as well. Um, part of the kind of ethos of Mary and Hillary's collection, collecting, I should say, um, was to seek out things that were very unique. They didn't want people to be seeing the same images again and again and again. And you can do that sometimes with history. If you've got kind of a, a famous portrait of Elizabeth I, you'll probably just see the same one again and again. But what Hillary would have been excited about is if he found a, a mid-19th century engraving of Elizabeth I doing something unusual or in a, in a, in a strange event or scene. That's what would have, have, have fired his imagination. Um, and so we're always on the lookout for unique content that we can bring to the market, make available to people, which otherwise would not have been um, ever, sometimes ever seen at all. Um, I think Mary and Hillary's great fear was that collections would end up on shelves and in attics and just be hidden away from view. Photographic family, photographic albums are a wonderful source of imagery. And we've got some great collections based on personal family picture albums. And these things, are, these things just get lost. The archives of major companies and institutions, you, you hear stories of things just being put in a skip and never seen again. And this was really totally anathema to what they were trying to do. A large proportion of, I suppose, the drive behind what they were trying to do with the picture library was a preservation of this cultural heritage, which otherwise would have been lost. 
and making it available again for future generations and, and future usages. And I have to say, from part of you know my job, if if I find an interesting picture, get it up on the site, and then it's licensed, say, for a book jacket, it, it's a wonderful feeling to then see this image that could potentially have never been seen again, repurposed and given a new life in a new context. And it's a very, very rewarding um, process. Um, there's one particular contributor collection, um, which is a postcard archive. It's owned by an, an individual who's a great collector and a very good friend of mine called Grenville Collins. And he's an avid collector and an avid enthusiast about the library and what we do. Um, and since November, I'll get this right, November 2008, um, I have alongside him catalogued 13,500 postcards. So I've, I've done the captions, researched every single picture on every single card, and we've digitized them all. Um, and that's one of our best performing collections nowadays. Um, it, it's because the pictures have been chosen with great care as, as a unique image. He's, he's bought things from all over the place, his various collections. Um, and it started off with a kind of focus on late Ottoman Empire era Turkey, and then kind of moved around North Africa and then up through Eastern Europe. Um, and then he started to get excited and gets pictures from all over the world. But the key thing is the image. It's the quality of the image. It's, a, it's something interesting um, that, the, the, that, that our clients would be interested to use. And so my job is incredibly varied. I'm never quite sure day to day who's going to get in touch, where I might be heading in terms of uh, available collections. Um, and actually, we've just this week, um, yesterday, in fact, sent out a press release announcing the launch of a very prestigious collection. We're, we're managing the sale of stills from the British Pathé um, films, the, the news um, uh, clips, um, and they've digitized as stills a whole series of their, um, of, of their news films, news reels, um, and we're having exclusive representation of that collection. So it was, the it, last few months I've been <laughs> kind of, faced with over 60,000 of these film stills that I've been working through, and we've edited it down to 15,000, all of which are now online, properly captioned, and now available to image buyers. And that's completely new content, but some really, really interesting perspectives on famous historical events from the 20th century, which had never been seen before as stills. They've been there as the films, but again, it's making things available um, as stills, and, and that'll be um, going out worldwide to all our all our partners and hopefully that that will do very well um, and I think people like working with us because we tend to do things in a slightly different way um, we're all historically trained as, as staff we all have a passion for the, the history behind the images um, and it's not a case of just supplying a company with a, a set of images a set of data it gets logged on the website and forgotten about we see these relationships very much as partnerships. We like to develop the material. We like to add in more value to the collection when we put it on. Um, we like to promote things in, in sometimes an old-fashioned way. We still like to, as I mentioned to you before we, we started this conversation, we still like to produce some print promotional items. We do a calendar every year, which goes out to all our clients. Um, I've done a series of little books uh, looking at different aspects of, of history, using uh, pictures from across our our, our, um, our collections. Um, and I think people, people like that personal approach. It, it's much more of a, a, a kind of a, a scholarly relationship rather than ostensibly 
um, just a business one. Obviously, we need to accrue money from the picture sales that we make to keep everything going, to keep things ticking over. But it's, it's a balance between the commercial and the altruistic, and, and, and that's the way we've always operated. And so far, we've been successful in, in, in doing that, which is, is great because it keeps the legacy of what Mary and Hillary wanted to set up, um, wanted to set up going. Um, in terms of the business, um, we work and sell our pictures to an incredibly wide range of clients. I would hope that maybe people listening to this have seen the words Mary Evans Picture Library, maybe at the end of a historical TV documentary or above an old picture in a magazine or in, in, in the credits uh, and the acknowledgements for a book. Um, we, we tend to supply pictures to all the major book publishers, all the major TV production companies, um, newspapers, um, magazines. Um, our pictures are used a lot for kind of creative projects. So for greetings cards, for giftware items, for designers, love some of the things like the lovely kind of Art Deco 1920s fashion illustrations. You always see those being used um, and, and things like the fantastic Monaco motor racing posters and travel posters um, are always perennially popular for a num number of different projects. Um, and, and we've always had a very strong brand presence um, for a small, a small team working out of an old parish hall in Blackheath, the words Mary Evans Picture Library are, are known across the world as, as a source for interesting and unique, unique historical um, imagery, which is, is a wonderful thing. And really, in, in the kind of today's digital world, one can do that. You can kind of <laughs> create a, a presence in the marketplace, which we, we have done, done quite successfully. Um, and we've always sold directly very well into the United States, to France, to Germany, because we've had a lot of pictures that have been sourced from those countries. And so users have always been very interested to use our collections. Um, but another thing where we've kind of developed the business side over the past um, 20 years um, has been through the creation of a network of international partner agents who take our collection and sell our pictures within their own geographically determined territories. Um, and so if you were in South Korea and wanted to have a historical picture, a picture of Isaac Newton watching an apple fall off the tree uh, for your textbook, um, you would have a choice of four different agencies within South Korea who have and represent the Mary Evans Picture Library collection, each in their own kind of area, each doing slightly different business. Um, and myself and Paul Brown, our managing director, um, every year are continually honing that network of agents to make sure that our pictures and the pictures of our represented contributors um, are available pretty much wherever you are in the, in the world there'll be somewhere you can access the pictures. And the good thing with working with international partners is they, they put their images on, on their own sites, they translate the metadata into the local language um, and make it available in that way. And so we, we, we sell direct, we sell through our agents, and we also have a public facing side to the business, uh, which is the sale of reproduction prints and giftware items on a print on demand model. We work with a number of companies, the main one being Media Storehouse in the UK through our Prints Online website. And that allows the general public to purchase reproduction prints and mugs and T-shirts and key rings and mouse mats and, uh, using the images, obviously using suitable images from our collection. Not everything is, is, is applicable for that sort of use, um, but it allows people to have access through to our collections um, 
which which is which is excellent. Um, so again, kind of returning to to me and maybe my my role um, in terms of the work I'm doing on a day to day basis, it's very much linked to um, the uploading, I suppose, of new content onto our website. So I'm doing a lot of metadata manipulation. Now, if you have a clue what that means, that means the kind of editing and organization of um, the data that sits behind a visual image. You could have the best picture, you could have the most wonderful painting in the whole world, but if it was poorly keyworded, tagged, if it had a very incorrect caption, um, it would never be found by every, anyone nowadays on the internet. You need a very strong set of data behind the picture for it to work effectively on a website which is relying on people using keyword search. If ever you've kind of searched on Google Images for something in particular and thought, why can't I find this picture? It's possible that that picture is there, but it hasn't been tagged properly. So as much care goes in from my side into the words and the text that sits behind an image um, as it does to making sure that the image itself um, is, is very effective. Um, there still isn't really a kind of way, I'm, I'm sure it's kind of in development somewhere for kind of to search for images just by what they look like through some kind of crazy visual means. And you can do yeah. that. You can, you can do that retrospectively yeah. through Google image search. Um, uh, we can't do it through our site yet. I'm afraid we're not quite that high tech. Um, but I, I'm developing data for collections. I'm, I'm making sure that images um, look nice. I'm doing a very small proportion of scanning. Obviously, we need to digitize things in our own collection. It's not really my, my role to do that. I do that occasionally for some, some collections. Um, I do quite a lot of the graphic design for the company as well. So I, I kind of design the calendar, we design advertisements. Um, and I also have a lot of contact directly with our international partner agents, managing the images they have, sometimes removing pictures from sale in certain territories if rights restrictions change, making sure that everything is absolutely solid in terms of copyright. Um, one of the big challenges of what we do is copyright and making sure that images we make available only need to be cleared through ourselves for the rights and you don't have to go anywhere else and clear it through a third party. Um, we feel we, we, we need to offer that as a service to our clients to cover absolutely all aspects of that. Um, and a lot of people get very confused about copyright in old pictures and they, they see something that might have been from the 1840s and say, well, why can't I just use that for free? It's in the public domain. And I mean, my, my response to that is that scan has come from an original that is owned by someone um, and there's been considerable time and investment in the creation of that scan, in the creation of the data in the housing and um, con conservation of looking after the original item. Um, and, and that really is where the ownership and the copyright and the new scan um, sits. <laughs> and you can't just, just assume that this stuff is it freely emerging as the ether. Uh, it's, not, it's, not the, um, it's not the case. Um, it, it, it costs an awful lot to do what we do in terms of the investment we make um, as you yourselves know, as a company that do a lot of kind of digitization of collections, it's a very lengthy and involved process. And if you want to do it really well, which you also know all about, it, it's something that has to have time and effort put into it to, to properly preserve these things. Because the digitization of these collections is really the kind of key aspect in preservation that we're doing. 
because you know original archival prints they are fragile these books do fall apart uh, the leather ends up all over your shirt you know it's, it's, it's those sorts of situations where the original has a, a lifespan but it's a lifespan that can be increased by the creation of a very good high-res digital copy that not only gives it new potential for reuse but also in, in a way preserves um, the information uh, that was, was put in and the effort that was put in to create the item um, in the first place. Um, so we, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing to, to look always for new areas to sell our pictures, new business opportunities. We're growing our international business. We're developing aspects of the technology that sits behind the website. Um, the search um, engine technologies, we're always looking at how we can optimize that. And we're working with partners who are, who are finding interesting and new creative ways to sell pictures, whether they're taking our pictures and using them for wallpaper or, or they're selling them, uh, using them for fabrics, all sorts of things like that. Historical imagery works really, really well um, for, for those type of, of design, design projects. Um, so, I mean, looking, looking kind of forward um, in, into, the, into the future, what, what do we want to do? We want to continue to grow. We want to survive as a small specialist library. Um, we want to be able to continue to provide the great service that we do to our clients and to our contributors. Um, we want to work in, in the spirit that Mary and Hillary set up, um, but we need to do it in a way that continues to generate revenue um, and continues to allow us to do some of the more um, interesting uh, kind of creative and altruistic projects and to put online a few things that may only ever be used once. But the key thing is we put it online. So if someone wants it, they'll be able to find it. It hasn't been lost. Um, Hillary always had a great phrase when he, he'd come up with a, a picture maybe of someone completely obscure from the past. And you think, who is ever going to use the 15th uh, Duchess of Württemberg from 1631 um, and he would say well at the time that this picture was produced someone put in the time and the care and the effort to create this image so therefore that person must have been somebody at the time and there'll be someone who's looking out for that picture. It is it's a lovely way of looking at things but it has created for us an archive of imagery um, that is very, very different, very unusual. People like coming to Mary, on Mary Evans and, and often say, we've come to you for this project because we know you'll have the things that nobody else have, has. Yeah. Uh, the main thing is that we also have the things that other people do have, so we have a good, good coverage of, of imagery. And we're always looking to broaden out our scope in, into many different areas, as I was saying before about you know, developing the contributor collections. We're looking to give it as broad a range uh, and information on history as we can. Um, I think you'd, you'd mentioned to me before, you'd be possibly interested in, in finding out what, what sort of, I would deem our most interesting item. Yeah, yeah, I mean, your collection is, is from 1964, but as you mentioned, you have stuff from all periods. So, I mean, what is your favorite? Just personally, obviously. It's very difficult. I've got lots of kind of favourites, and many will be kind of specific images within collections. Mm -hmm. But um, just literally off the top of my head, which is always the best way to do this, because you scribble mm -hmm. down then what probably is the most important. I've, I've written a couple of things, which I'll tell you about. The first mm -hmm. is 
an amazing set of um, cigar box insert cards. So think kind of cigarette cards, but a little bit bigger from France. Um, and Hillary collected over a few years the entire set of these. They're quite rare, and they're called. They were they were published originally in 1896, and they are called in the year 2000. Yeah. And the, and the artist uh, Jean-Marc Cote was looking forward to the year 2000 back in 1896 mm -hmm. and trying to envisage what life would be like then. And actually, he was pretty good. If you look these up online, mm. um, he, he wasn't too far off on a couple of things. A few things were quite fanciful. He thought that at least half of us would be living underwater by this point and riding okay. around on seahorses and um, having races on whales. There'd be whale buses. I um, wish. Yeah, but he had, he had um, things like um, robot um, tailors, so you'd be measured for your suit by robots. He had mechanised construction, so again, that's not too far off. Mm -hmm. um, he envisaged probably a good, let's think, a good kind of 12 years before it happened that there'd be aerial warfare, and so he was having kind of airships firing at each other, and the first kind of aerial combat was the early years of the First World War. So that was, you know, again, again quite a good kind of future, future prediction. And really, the one I, the one I love is it's, um, oh, what's the caption? The caption is correspondence um, phonotelephonique or something like this. Oh, and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's a perfect representation in kind of late Victorian style of calling someone on FaceTime. <laughs> So there's a little device and it's showing somebody and you're actually talking to them even though they're not there. So I, I, I love that little set of cards. I think it's totally unique. When people visit the library, I always kind of get that folder down and show them. And it's always, always quite fun and quite quirky and in many ways encapsulates all the things that Hillary liked about picture collecting. Uh, that was right up, right up his street. Um, we've got some wonderful, really old items. We've got a, a page from a 12th century Quran. Um, we've got a couple of wonderful um, early antiquarian books um, by the antiquarian William Stukeley, who travelled around the United Kingdom recording archaeological sites long before these were properly understood. Um, I think he thought they were all they were all um, to do with the Druids. <laughs> so there's, lo there's lots of like comments about that, but there's some fantastic drawings, some of his plans and maps of places like Avebury and Stonehenge. Um, just to be able to handle those those things are great. Um, and we've got another big leather-bound book from 1555, um, which was a collection of historical figures. I think it was something called Lives of the Famous Men. And this was by a French artist and writer called André Seve. And that actually covered some very interesting people up to that point, including some of the kind of Central American Aztec and Inca rulers, Julius Caesar pirates, all, all of these sorts of things in, in a very, very beautiful and decorative, illustrative way. And that, that's a lovely, rare item. Um, and, and Hillary and Mary were always very keen for people to, to take these books off the shelves and have a look through. Again, it was, you know, there isn't a pair of white gloves to be seen in our building, which probably causes anyone from a museum who comes to visit to have kind of minor heart palpitations. Uh, but it's, it's a working archive. And what we do is, is, is embedded in that access. Um, is, is absolutely absolutely key, um, and it has been a, it has been a huge progression really, and a change from how we work oh, since kind of 
That's about year 2000, 2001. I, it, working at the library, I better tell you this, is the only job I've ever had. I saw a tiny little advert uh, back in, in, when I finished university, I, I studied archaeology um, and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I didn't really want to be an archaeologist. Okay. And I come, from a, I come from a family of artists. So both my parents, my sister, they're all kind of fine artists. And I didn't want to do that either because, again, that's what they did. Yeah. I wanted to do something different. And I saw, I saw in The Guardian one Monday a tiny little advert, only about an inch and a half square, for a picture researcher job at the library. And every single one of the bullet points um, ticked the boxes for me. You must be, you know, happy, happy to talk to people. Yep, that's fine. No, no worries there. You have to have an interest in history and in art. And I thought, this sounds great. And so I, I got, I'd sent, sent my application off, got an interview. And as soon as I walked through the door, I knew this had to be the place I ended up. And, and thankfully, I, I got the job. And I've, I've been there ever since. So I had my, I had my 20th anniversary last year working oh. at the library. And I, I think you find, and we, we found, that people do stay there um, for years and years. I'm, I'm, I'm by no means the kind of longest-serving member of staff. So, That's a sign um, of a good workplace. Well, absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're embedded in the collection. We love what we do. We love working with the collections and with the pictures. And we're enthused to tell people about it, to get those pictures out there, which I think in any business, if you can be in that situation, it'll, it'll go well. Um, but around about 2000, 2001, you're we realizing that people who are wanting to find and buy images it was a, ch a shift from sending out analog prints and transparencies to them wanting a picture by email, a digital high-res copy. So we had to furiously think, how are we going to survive? And actually, lots of the smaller specialist picture libraries weren't able to cope at that stage. They didn't have the resources to be able to digitize entire collections. And so we made the decision we were going to scan in low-res everything we'd copied onto a transparency. So we had a kind of team of people around the country who used to take kind of suitcases full of transparencies and scan and scan and scan. And we developed this um, uh, very, very basic at that stage search for website. And I'm glad we did because we, were, we adopted it early enough, but we also waited to see where mistakes were made in that process in, in, other, in, other, in other places. Um, and now, now we're exclusively a digital concern. We're only kind of accepting high-res digital scans. Um, a lot of my work with our contributors is educating them in how best to gather data, how best to caption pictures, and how best to scan and digitize collections. Um, if they can't do it, I'll obviously send them to Max to, to get all their scans done. If, if they've got a scanner, I'll, I'll, I'll look at what they're doing and make some <laughs> suggestions. Um, I've got lots of templates for keywording and captioning. Um, because it's much better for people to also become totally invested in their collection. This is their thing, mm -hmm. and we can take it on and we can help them in certain areas, but to bring it up to the kind of level required um, is, is something that any, anyone can do with a little bit of guidance um, that they can create a collection. And there's so many wonderful collections out there. Um, as I said to you before, I never know from day to day what's going to pop into my inbox, what opportunities will arise in terms of, of pictures and picture collections becoming available. Something amazing like the Pathé collection only happens now and again. But all the time, there's individuals who see what we do, who will see the name Mary Evans Picture Library and think, oh, actually, I've got a you know, wonderful, I've just inherited an incredible photo album from my great-grandmother. Um, what do I do with this? You know, there's pictures here that should deserve to be seen and could be useful. And then we can, we can help people in that regard. And, Sometimes, you know, help generate a bit of revenue for them to, to help the process of getting more things, more things scanned. 
they're always welcoming new interesting acquisitions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. It wouldn't, it wouldn't work unless, unless we did that. You have a fantastic website, I have to say. Um, are all two and a half million images that you've, you've digitized up, up available on there? Yep, pretty much. Um, you'll have to register for the site and log in to view all of our historic cinema collection images, um, as well as um, images related to events and personalities and all aspects of, of life in the past. At least half of our collection nowadays is the history of cinema and film, um, and we represent a few enormous collections of covering all aspects of the, the history of cinema, which is, again, a wonderful thing to add in to what we can offer, including kind of exclusive representations of, of certain film studios, such as Studio Canal. Uh, we have all of, all of their behind-the-scenes photography of, of the films and, and posters. Um, and you need to log in and register to be able to see that material because we need to put in a few more kind of controls on how that is used um, and distributed because it's, it's slightly more slightly more uh, restricted in terms of usage for the film material. But I would, yeah, I, I would, you know, recommend anyone if they'd like to, you know, fall down the rabbit hole of, of wonderful imagery, go on to www.maryevans.com, sign in, have a little browse, look through some of the collections. We've got an extensive collections and artists page. Um, we have an anniversaries section of the website where you can look ahead to um, and of upcoming anniversaries and see picture collections there. Um, and we also write blogs and, and do spe uh, newsletters and features all available through the website on, on historical topics. So if, if history in the past is your thing and you enjoy great imagery, do, do have a browse. I'm sure you'll find something there that's, that's um, of interest. Well, I'm personally going to check out the cigar cards. They found very interesting. Do. I will send you a link, Faith, to that yes. one set. I will put a link to your website up in the text. A selection thereof. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Tom. You're clearly no very passionate about what you do. Um, thank you very much.